Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? Somewhere between science and superstition. We have such sights to show you. Welcome to Strange Eons Radio. That's Eric over there. Hey, Odie. That's Vanessa <laughs> over there. Good, good morning. That makes me... And this is week two of Ninja November. You guys, I'm having such a good time watching all of these ninja movies that I'm thinking of making this all ninja, all the time podcast. What do you think? Um, I think that's redundant. Uh, I, I seem to remember that <laughs> yeah. some other podcast does that. So we really should just stick to what we're good at. You there know? we go. We can do Ninja November and then next year, or we could really torture Vanessa and do Noir November. No. Oh, oh. this was actually my... <laughs> Because uh, it was going to be Noir November. Oh, was it? Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, God, Vanessa just hates me. <laughs> I mean, look, I'll watch it if I have to. I will find something else that starts with an N for next November. <laughs> Shrug. <laughs> just like a ninja movie, I can describe the things that are not needed to be subtitled. <laughs> there you go. Kaiju. Patience. <laughs> okay well i'm having a great time uh but i yep. also had a little bit of time to watch some different movies and one of them i was surprised how much i enjoyed it is called the deep house the deep house it is a blumhouse film oh, okay. and uh i hadn't heard anything about this available to rent it is about a uh a couple who have they're like a, i guess you would call them like influencers or something. Oh, they have okay. like a YouTube channel sure. and, mm. and they go see like haunted houses and shit like this. Mm. Uh, but they have heard about this house that is at the bottom of this flooded valley. Oh, oh shit. Oh my God. Yes. I saw the trailer for that and it looks fucking awesome. I have to admit it's pretty fucking great. Wow. It's also stupid. Sure. Um, and, Typical Blumhouse bullshit, but <laughs> there were literally like four scenes that, you know, something happens and the hair on my arm just, you know, stood straight up. Oh, I was like, Jesus, that God. is a creepy fucking scene. It's basically, you know, a haunted house movie shot entirely underwater. Wow. And it's, it's pretty fucking impressive. Hmm. So I would say anybody who's into that kind of shit, the deep house is available to rent. Was that, is that based on a book? You know, I don't know. I, I remember there was, uh, I think the guy who wrote uh, Bird Box wrote something yes. called The House and at Bottom of the Lake. And it's fantastic and creepy and weird as I hell. never read it. It's quite good. <laughs> You're telling but, me. I wonder if both of these are perhaps based on a legend or something. Yeah, that could be. Huh. I'm just shocked to discover that Bird Box was a book. I did not oh, know. Oh, fantastic book. Really? Josh, yeah, Josh oh Malin. The Netflix version is, is fine, but the book is yeah. probably one of the best books I'd read in like 20 years when Whoa. I read it. It just blew me away. There are scenes oh from the book that still sit in my head, Whoa. like the first time they got into the van to go, to go out. Sure. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it's just, it's brilliant. Wow. Okay. Huh. Well, maybe I will do some reading at some point. Um, all the movies that I've seen recently, I mean, it, uh, it's been October previously. Right. Definitely not today. 
Um, and I've been watching a lot, a lot, a lot of um, horror films. So I'm really catching up to a lot of your guys' recommendations. So I watched with my mom, Jacob's Wife. Oh. At long last. Yes. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was definitely really good, really fun. She enjoyed it a lot. It was very empowering for ah. ladies, <laughs> like older ladies. And um, yeah, it was, it was pretty fun. I, I will say the ending was a little weird. I guess it's... <laughs> I guess it's a cliffhanger. I'm not really sure. Sort of, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, hopefully, Barbara Crampton's great. Yeah. Hopefully she'll continue to champion movies she really wants to make. Yeah. Right. Because she's been in so many things that are moderate, but man, was, this one is good. It was really good. <laughs> yeah. Far less energetic and entertaining and fairly depressing. Oh, God. I watched, uh, I think you've seen, I know you've seen it, uh, Saint Maud. Oh, <laughs> I've been wanting to see yeah. that. Feel bad movie of the year. It's a joy fest. <laughs> oh dear Lord, and it's. It, I mean, it's a well-made movie. Is but it's dark and a twenty-four, right? Probably. Yeah, I mean, if it's not, it feels like it. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. But very slow, yeah. very mm -hmm. depressing, and then uh -huh. the last ten minutes, you're like, <laughs> oh god damn, fuck. <laughs> so yeah, if you haven't seen it, it's worth. It's worth checking out, but it's not any be go into it expecting a A24 style film. Okay. Better than Lamb, I'm guessing. It's got to be. <laughs> it, there's no way anything can be worse than Lamb <laughs> from A24. What what did you see this on? Where is it playing now? Uh, it was Netflix or okay. something easy. You know, I don't. Oh, you didn't I don't, have to I pay for it. I think I had to. If I do, if I did, it was like three bucks. Okay. So. Yeah. That would surprise me because it's been out for a while. Or something. Yeah, it's been out. Yeah. Huh. Uh, I rented a movie that I loved. Cop Shop. Anybody? I've heard about Cop Shop with Gerard Butler and Frank oh. Grillo. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, it's about a guy who, um, it, well, without giving much away, he <laughs> he gets himself thrown in a small town jail because he knows there's a guy coming after him to kill him. And he's, you know, been part of a heist and all this. And then the guy who's coming after him to kill him also gets himself thrown in that jail. And then they end up just basically turning the jail into a big, huge bloody mess while they're trying to get each other. <laughs> and it's done by the same guy that did, uh, why can't I upgrade? No, I'm sorry. I want to call boss it level. boss level. Yeah. yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Okay, well then, yeah, I'll put that on the yes. must-see yeah. list. <laughs> it's, it's fun. It's not as, Boss Level had a lot of humor in it, and this has a little bit of humor in it, which kind of bummed me out because this Carnegie guy, Carnahan, I think his name, he's he's known for having a really good sense of humor and then having Frank Grillo in it again, yeah. Andrew R. Butler. So I, I really thought it was going to be kind of one of these comedy action ones. Mm -hmm. It's it's like straight action with um, a little bit of drama in it. Hmm. So. But I enjoyed it thoroughly. Very cool. Um, well, I just finished a series that pretty much everyone on planet Earth has now seen. Uh, Squid Game. Oh, okay. You know, we never really talked we about didn't. the end of that. What, yeah. what did you think of it? Um, you know, I would have been a little bit happier if it was just one season and they just tied everything up a little bit more tightly um, in that final episode. Mm -hmm. Because I was just like, oh, really? Like, uh, just go see your daughter, <laughs> please. <laughs> yeah, yes. You like really owe her like hard. Um, I, it took a little while for him to do the basic things I wanted him to do. 
Um, but uh, yeah, it was it was pretty good though. Still, still fairly solid. If you chop off the last episode, I really, really yeah. like. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> let's let's sound. talk spoilers a little bit yep. on this. So, if uh-huh. we're you know, if you're listening, and you haven't finished Squid Game. Fast forward. Um, I'll be talking about Angel next, so you'll know when you've reached your (laughs) (laughs) spoiler ending. I was almost horribly disappointed with the ending. Because of the old guy? Well, because of everything leading up to that episode was so good, and I was loving it so much. And then, yes, the twist, I felt really negated what happened in his scene with. In the most emotional moment of the entire series, it just that coin flip thing just gutted me. Yeah. And then, oh, <laughs> okay. I guess he's all right. Well, <laughs> he's fine until midnight. It also, it also makes no sense. And then also yeah. the whole thing with the cop who was undercover in there and mm-hmm. all that turns out to be his brother, who was the, the head guy that he had been looking for. Yeah. And, and his brother looks older. I thought his brother was like, just dropped out of college or something because he visits his dorm room. But also, I was like, okay, so he won the prize and decided that he wanted to run the game? I, that's, that was confusing to me. And then I was like, oh, does that mean our guy is going to now have to run the game because he won? So I wasn't sure if it was a rotation thing. Oh, you had to or do one or the other? Yeah. That would have made more sense than the ending we got. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just like, yeah, what a letdown for a show that well, I was really loving. Yeah. yeah, and I was bombing through it. So like I saw the, there's the last three people and then both of the people who don't make it, he makes kind of promises to. And then it's like, he wins. And then it's one year later and he's done fuck all. And yeah. I'm like, are you, he's okay, look, I know you're traumatized, me. but there's like a kid in like an orphanage just sitting around for a year going, don't know when my sister's going to come by. Yeah, like, and his, and he doesn't actually get the mom back for this kid. This kid has a mom who's supposed to be sent there to reunite the family. And that was kind of that chick's dying wish. And instead it's like, Oh, don't worry about it. You can hang out with this other random old lady who just uh, yes. misses her son a bunch. Here's some he money. Good luck. He was such a loser, frankly. By yeah. the, in that en- ending. Yeah. It's, it's like, kind of like, dude, you've got what you want. Take care of your shit. Go yeah. see your daughter. Do, do your stuff. Do all the things that and you're then meant if you, to. And then if you want to come back because you get some burr in your bonnet, you want to do something, fine. Right. But man, take care of your shit first. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was really frustrating to me because up until then, I was really loving it. That final scene where he's fighting the, the friend, yeah. the childhood oh, yeah. friend. Yeah. In, in the squid game. Oh, yeah. Jeez. Yeah, so... So if you're watching Squid Game, just watch till the <laughs> second to the last episode. <laughs> An ultimate episode. Then, then you'll be happy. Yes. So I'm now talking about Angel. Angel, <laughs> hey. is a film that uh, Joe Bob did a yeah. show on recently. The way they number his series... It's really confusing. It makes no sense. I thought I was actually watching... The way it's numbered, I thought it was his first... It's it's current because they're interviewing uh, what's his name, the director of, uh, of Halloween. Halloween Kills, yeah. Um, mm. But I so I'm watching that going. Oh, let's check this out. I'd never seen Angel, right? I thought I'm I trying had. To remember, that's it, not Linda Blair. No, 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 it's the um, I don't remember her name, but it's the some other child, fifteen year old who's on the street. She's like a, a high school on the street, but also 
a killer or something? No, she start well. She starts out. That's more. I think the sequel, oh, Avenging okay. Angel. Oh, okay. But she starts out, she's a 15-year-old uh, honor student almost in high school and works the streets at night. At 15, uh, one thing they did that was very nice and really surprising for an early 80s movie, she never actually sleeps with anybody and she never has any kind of a sexualized scene in the film. Oh, okay. Which is like, that's probably a good choice. Yeah. <laughs> that's when she's supposed to be 15 freaking years old. Yeah. That's a good movie. Oh. I mean, I was kind of surprised. It's not hmm. like Shakespeare or anything, but it's well done. It's decently acted. It's, you know, it's a crawling out of exploitation world of the late 70s and 80s. And so it still sort of has one foot in that. And then it's one foot in, what are we going to be next? So it, it's a, I, I was surprised by that film. Huh. I feel like I've seen it, but based on this description, it's not ringing any bells. I, I so I watched it mm-hmm. as well, but I really half-assed paid attention. I think I was right. editing a last minute project at the same time. So every time I looked over, I was like, what the fuck is this? So I'm excited to hear like what your takeaway was, because I, I should have paid more attention to it. But out of what I saw, I was like, Eh. There's a couple weird characters, I think, if I talk about it, you'll remember if you've seen or not. There's a old um old West cowboy guy who talks about how he worked with I think Tom Mix and he tells stories and Boy, shoots no. shoots people. And uh then there's the like the cross dressing. Yeah, the cross dresser guy who is also on the street with her, who is a comedian apparently was a pain in the ass to work with because he would say so many funny things, but he couldn't remember them and repeat them. So (laughs) different angles. So he eventually set up like three cameras whenever he was doing something so he could get all the angles he needed with one take. He was phenomenal. He was really good. He's the best part of the film. Yeah, absolutely. And his fight scene, which I'm sure you'll get into. Oh no, this isn't a... This isn't a uh, breakdown oh, movie. This is great, just okay. a saw film. <laughs> um, did Joe Bob just have a ton of trivia about the end scene stuff yeah. on this? Huh. I don't think I've seen this. Maybe I'll have to sit down and watch that one. Yeah, it, It's worth watching. The Halloween Kills interview stuff feels like maybe you could have just done this as a separate thing, Joe. You didn't have to include it as part of talking about Angel, too. Because he, yeah. he breaks, he talks about Angel, he interviews him or vice versa on each break. Right. Yeah. So it's like really long. It's yeah. like three days to watch. It. It's over <laughs> three hours. And the movie's probably 85 minutes. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Um, I think that fight scene was just so fucking fun. Because like, I was oh, like, oh, yeah. you actually get to hold your own. Because most of the time, like, you get, especially when you have, um, like, transgender fights where they often, like, weak, uh, create, like, a weaker character out of that. But, like, this is a pretty large dude. And he's just like fuck you. Like, I am going to fight you for real. Uh, It was really satisfying. And the creepiest scene in the whole movie is a guy eating an egg. Oh. Did you catch that one? I must have missed that part. Holy shit. I forgot the actor's name. We've talked about him before. He was uh, Mm -hmm. a major, like, uh, one of the guys on the shield that Vic Mackey protected and then had to get rid of because he became such a pain in the ass. Hmm. Um, but uh, he did that apparently for the audition. It's this very strange scene where he's like looking at a picture of his, I'm assuming his mom and him, and he's sort of like sucking this egg and breaking it down and sucking the inside out of it, out of his shell. I'm like, 
this is so weird. And the, he cut, he did that in the audition. The director said, we're putting that in the movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So. Crazy. Well, okay. Maybe I'm watching that tonight. I was going to say, why don't we take a little break? <laughs> Ooh, and when we yes. come back, we're talking. Ninjas. And we're back. This was my pick, you guys. What? And I wait, what did you pick? Ninjas. Oh, that's right. Ninjas too. I didn't even pick. I had to pick because it's Ninja November. <laughs> you were and required by no Ninja choice. Law. That's right. <laughs> I had no choice, and a man, I picked. A real stinker this week. Oh, no. And it is called Jim Cotta. His name, Kurt Thomas. His title, three-time world gymnastics champion. His assignment, a secret mission for the United States government. His only weapon, himself. And that's all he needs. Combine the discipline, the timing, and the power of gymnastics with the explosive force of karate. And a new, all-powerful martial art is born. Jim Kata. Kurt Thomas becomes Jonathan Cabot. He must penetrate a mountain fortress to compete in an ancient savage ritual. They call it the game. But nobody wins. And nobody lives. Until now. When gymnastics and karate are fused, the combustion becomes an explosion. And a new kind of martial arts superhero is born. Jim Kata. Oh, yeah. I was really drunk when I saw that. Oh, that probably helped. I think it did. I saw this in the theater in 1985. Oh, no. <laughs> Budget I could not find. Box office of 5.7 million. Oh, all right. The Rotten Tomatoes critics have it at 17%. Beautiful. The audience has it at 40%. Oh. But there's some pedigree behind this. Directed by Robert Klaus, Eric who directed Enter the Dragon, mm -hmm. Game of Death, and Deadly Eyes. Oh, wow. It was written by Charles Robert Carner, who wrote Let's Get Harry, Blind Fury, and Witless Protection. Oh. <laughs> Get it? Mm -hmm. uh, it was based on the novel The Terrible Game by Dan Tyler Moore. Jim Cotta is based on a novel? Yeah. <laughs> that, you know what? That is very surprising. I'll get into that. Uh, it stars Kurt Thomas, who has three credits. This, and then a movie called Circus, and then a movie called Slam. It also stars Techi Agbayani, who was in 
She-Man, Mistress of the Universe, (laughs) The Money Pit, and a hundred other credits, all Filipino productions. She was also a former Playboy model. Wow. She is quite pretty. And uh, also one of the actors in this is Richard Norton, who was in The Octagon, American Ninja. American Ninja, stay away from me. (laughs) And uh, Mad Max Fury Road. And he was also the stunt coordinator of this movie. Oh, cool. So literally, right off the bat, one minute into this movie, Jonathan Cabot is approached by the Special Intelligence Agency, the SIA, (laughs) to play the game. Uh Uh-oh. The game is an athletic competition in the country of... Parmistan. Ever heard of it? (laughs) (laughs) Sounds delicious. I would like to go right now. It is a tiny mountain nation, which is supposedly located in the Hindu Kush mountain range. Mm. Parmistan forces all (laughs) foreigners to play the game, which is basically an endurance race with obstacles, uh, all while while being chased by local Parmistan warriors. And if a (laughs) If a person wins, then they are granted their life and one wish. Oh, shit. Yeah. Whoa. So the SIA wants Cabot to enter the game, win the game, so that he can use his wish to install a U.S. satellite monitoring station, which could monitor all satellites in space and act as an early warning system in case of nuclear attack. Eric, you remember this plot line, right? Oh, my God. Good Lord. No, I don't. What I remember him wish. swinging in an alley, and that's about it. Okay. Whoa. As an extra incentive, Cabot is also told that his missing father was actually an SIA operative who was sent to play the game but was never heard from again. Oh, no. (laughs) You guys, this is one minute into the movie. Oh, my God. I was like, this is an interesting place to put an inciting incident. (laughs) We know nothing of you, sir. (laughs) So, the the next part is just a big, huge training montage uh, period with his martial (laughs) arts teacher, who's a Japanese guru, and a beautiful Parmesan princess named Princess Rubali. The, uh, the Playboy model. <laughs> and so he just learns how to fight. He's Now, he's he's approached because he is a U.S. gymnastics expert, you know, gold medal winner and all this stuff. And Kurt Thomas was actually a gold medal winner. Hmm. Um, so he's taught how to fight, taught you how to use swords and all of this shit because, you know, the, the game <laughs> is this race, but all the while you're being attacked by various soldiers and shit like that as you're trying to race. So um, after this training part, uh, he is deemed ready and sent to the town of Carabao on the Caspian Sea. Uh, a very stupid scene where he's like, <laughs> he's like checking out the princess and everything and his, um, his operations manager is telling him, you know, where you're going and, and or where he's going. And he says, uh, he says, hey, hey, Cabot, are you listening to me? Where are you going? And he says, I'm going to uh, Carabao on the Caspian Sea. And then we see a shot of Carabao on the Caspian Sea with the uh, title card Carabao on the Caspian Sea. <laughs> oh, my God. Whoa. So very, very good. <laughs> and from there, he's going to infiltrate his, himself into Parmistan. <laughs> <laughs> um, while in Carabelle, 
he is attacked by terrorist agents in the only scene that Eric remembers <laughs> from this movie. <laughs> That's right. Okay. The alley. Uh, the alley, which has a strategically located bar crossing it. <laughs> and it yes. looks very much like the gymnastics bar that he trains on. And so he... Uh, you can see his hands are all powdered up all of a sudden and he, he starts swinging on this bar and flipping himself around and kicking all these terrorists in the face as they come around the corner. It's, uh, it's quite entertaining. <laughs> uh, however, they kidnap the princess and Cabot quickly raids the terrorist training center and using his unstoppable Jim Cotta fighting technique, which is never no. mentioned in the movie. <laughs> oh, really? No. I mean, they didn't build the character, so. Uh, this technique combines gymnastics and karate, uh, but is never once called Jim Kata. So Except on the he, poster. he easily disables dozens of terrorists before rescuing the princess. And uh, yes, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> he, he actually shoots one guy with a machine gun that they dropped and then it doesn't shoot again. So he just kind of throws it to the ground and begins kicking ass again. <laughs> <laughs> so after all of this, he finally gets to fight in the tournament, which is a fucking joke. No, um, no. no blood sport here. It's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> the fact that there is so many bullets flying and so many people hit by bullets and not one drop of blood is ridiculous. There's like never a squib on a person, <laughs> but they are all dropping like flies. <laughs> um, one of the contestants is the King's right-hand man and manager of the game, Commander Zamir, who is actually planning a coup against the King and will attempt to sell the satellite rights to the enemy. And Zamir also intends to marry the princess that is kidnapped. So this dude constantly breaks all the rules and is clearly trying to kill Cabot. And, uh, and meanwhile, the king's forces have been overpowered by his private army in the coup attempt. So at one point, Cabot is the only player left in the game and is about to be killed by crazed villagers because part of this race is you have to run through this village full of crazy people. Oh, yeah. Wow. What a specific task. What a convenient. Uh, he's about to be village. killed by them when he is suddenly saved by a Parmesan warrior who turns out to be his missing father. <gasps> My God. Colonel he's there Cabot. all along. His father explains that while playing the game, he fell and disabled his arm, but was allowed by Parmesan warriors to live. Makes no sense because we are told yeah. <laughs> that the only way you get to win or live is by winning the game. Anyway, as the two are catching up, Zamir is there and he fires an arrow into his father, <laughs> who, who in his dying voice tells Cabot to win Johnny. <laughs> and then Johnny? He, yeah, oh my God. Yeah, John Cabot. Wow. Uh, and then he dies. Um, just so you know, turns out he's not dead because the final scene, uh, Cabot wins and he is carrying his father who we see moving with a gigantic arrow hanging out of his back. There's two scenes where people get hit by arrows and you see the arrow fly into them. And I'm like, how the fuck did they do this? Yeah. It's just movie magic, but it was huh. like, God damn, that looked real. Huh. And it's got the great, you know, sound god this movie is so fucking ridiculous and one thousand percent entertaining <laughs> in in one scene so these <sighs> fucking ninjas um <laughs> there are various levels of ninjas in this so there's the regular ninjas who wear uh their black outfit but you know they're all color-coded so they've got like the red 
sash belt type thing. Right. But then they have those ninjas in those costumes still, but also Viking helmets on top of their mask. <laughs> what? So, so they've got like these, these crazy, yeah, I guess not Viking helmets because there's no horns. They're more like crusader helmets or something. Oh you know? my God. But it, it looks fucking ridiculous. It's like, <laughs> what is going on here? So do ninjas only show up when he enters the game or are they sprinkled before that? They, um, they actually show up when he, uh, Sneaks into Parmistan. He is okay. suddenly attacked. And by the lamest ninjas ever, all, all the ninja scenes are shot during the day. Oh. So good. they're all dressed in black. We have to black. see them really they're well. very clearly seen <laughs> in the woods. I was like, I think you ninjas, if you had been wearing camo or even a lighter colored costume, would blend better into the surroundings. Isn't that the whole thing of ninjutsu? <sighs> <laughs> we'll know by the end of the month. Yes. I know, exactly. I have a lot <laughs> to learn ninja still. training continues. <laughs> I have some trivia. Oh, okay. Jim Cotta earned a Razzie Award nomination oh. for Thomas as Worst New Star. Oh, poor guy. Oh. It has uh, developed a minor cult following as an unintentional comedy <laughs> for sure. its dubious premise, <laughs> poor production quality, and strange setting. Maxim Magazine lists the film as the 17th worst movie of all time. Wow, 17th. You don't even get to be number one. Uh, the film's source material was The Terrible Game by Dan Tyler Moore, originally published in 1957. A film version of the book was originally planned in the early 60s, starring Rock Hudson. Oh. But it never got off the ground. Oh. It's interesting to see him swing on a bar in the middle of a... Alec. I don't think the film actually had, or the book had the uh, the gymnastics angle to it. I think that was added when they got Kurt Thomas. Um, it's so not I love that this is a trivia piece in here, but I guess that a lot of people, Vanessa, wow. were, were not old enough to really know what was going on in the world at the time. So the Star okay. Wars satellite program referenced in the film is actually true. This was a part of the Cold War between the U.S. and the Soviet Union in hopes that both countries would find territories outside their respective countries in order to plant satellite stations so each country would be alerted in case of a nuclear attack on either side. True that. Fun. Yeah, good times. A um, couple of taglines here. Ooh. Oh, yes. A new kind of martial arts combat. The skill of gymnastics. The kill of karate. Oh, my God. Wow. Well, rhymes. Skill of gymnastics. <laughs> and then, of course, this one. I love this. World champion Kurt Thomas, the master of Jim Cotta. <laughs> the only, the only look, player of Jim Cotta. If you narrow what you do down enough, you become an expert in that particular. Oh, game. for sure. So, Jim Cotta, you guys. <laughs> one one ninja squeal, one bear ninja squeal up. I loved it. Very cool. Um, wow. Uh, well, I feel like I should watch it again sober sometime. No need. <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome. Well, uh, I'll go ahead and jump into mine then. Um, so I I asked a variety of people for suggestions on wonderful, amazing ninja films. And uh, one was sent my way and I watched the trailer and I was like, I have to do this. This looks incredible. And that is the 1993 film Ninja Scroll.
誰も私には近づけぬ近づく者は殺す誰もが遠くでバラード Yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, the gruesome anime classic. Yeah. That is、uh, one of the kind of flagship anime、uh, films to come over to the US and get people excited about the whole thing.、Um, this has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 94% from critics. What? From、yeah. 17 people. <laughs>、uh, and 89% from audience, which has over 5,000 people. Yeah. Man, how have I never seen this? When、uh, Sunco started. Started with Akira and Ninja Scroll was like the third or、yep. fourth title that、wow. we that It's was like、acquired. Akira, Ghost in the Shell, and then Ninja Scroll was up there. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's, I'm not a huge, as I've said before, not a huge anime guy. I like this one. Ninja Scroll is wow. It's wild.、Um, the budget? Question mark. <laughs> Unknown. No way I could find that. So moving right along.、Um, the writer director is a guy named Yashiaki、uh, Kawajiri. Um, he directed 20 things, including The Animatrix, Vampire Hunter D Resurrection,、oh. Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust,、uh, Demon City Shinjuku, and、uh, something just called X.、Uh, he actually has a stronger background in animation where he has 56 credits.、Um, so, since he was the writer and director, I'll just keep moving along. It stars. <laughs> Um, so, I'm, I'm just going to talk about the lead for character voice actors. There's incredible voice acting in this,、um, really stellar people. So,、um, the lead is a guy named Koichi Yamadera,、uh, who plays Jubi、uh, Kibagami. I will refer to him just as Jubi or the main guy.、Uh, he has 375 credits, including Ghost in the Shell.、Uh, he was Spike in Cowboy Bebop. He was in Neon、uh, Genesis Evangelion. He was in Paprika. He was in Vampire Hunter D. And、um, something called Kaikutsu Zorori, which had a fox on the cover.、Um, <laughs> he's also well known for dubbing Jim Carrey and Eddie Murphy. And、um, <laughs> also, one of his best known roles is、uh, doing the Japanese dub for Full House. <laughs> okay. <laughs> This guy's something.、That's、funny guy. <laughs> really, you know, could, what a character, what a, what a talented man.、Um, uh, the chick,、uh, the, the female in this movie, is played by Imi Shinaori, who plays a character named Kagero.、Uh, sorry. Kagero? I don't know. I'll, I'll do my best.、Uh, 123 <laughs> credits. Uh, Perfect Blue Sailor Moon, she played Jupiter. And、um, Bakaru Sentai Aba Ranger, which looks like a dinosaur's Power Ranger thing.、Uh, 
Um, <laughs> the old man is played by a guy named Takashi Aino as uh, Dakwan. Um, he's been in 239 things, including uh, Smash Brothers as Roy Campbell. Uh, and Farewell farewell to Space Battle and Metal Gear Solid 3 doc, as Dr. G- Grannon and Colonel Roy Campbell. <laughs> so, all coming together. Uh, and last, <laughs> <laughs> last but not least, the bad guy is voiced by Dada uh, Dada Suki Gore as uh, Gen Ma. <laughs> Genoma. Just getting harder as you go, isn't it? God, I wish I could fire you from this podcast. (laughs) Then you'd have no girls. Um, (laughs) Think about it. Uh, There's 276 credits for this guy. No photo, though. I will say, there was a bunch of people I skipped over because they didn't have photos. Turns out they're super fucking famous to the point where they don't need a photo. They're like, why would I? Why would I pay for that? I am, Who am I trying to impress? Right. I'm one of the most famous voice actors in Japan. So fuck off. Um, he's known for being in Dragon Ball Z as Enma and Mr. Satan, um, Death by Degrees, and Ninpu Sentan Hurricane, which also looks like Power Rangers. So the story. Um, yeah, it, I don't know. Uh, yeah. it It's interesting. I, again sort of struggled to keep up. I feel like that is a theme <laughs> yes. with ninja content in general. So uh, it's not outside the realms too with anime as well, where they tell yeah. a lot of stories sometimes in their movies. There's a ton of story going on. There's a lot of backstory that's being alluded to that I just missed. I think I couldn't read fast enough a couple times. <laughs> and I was like, so you yeah. have something to do with something that happened before and now you feel obligated. Cool. Nice. Also, don't forget, the ninja are unknowable. <laughs> Especially this ninja. Um, so the, the story is there's a, this plague that hits a small town called Shimoda uh, where everyone dies. Um, there's a woman who seemingly sick but clearly extremely dead is walking towards another <laughs> town. Um, and she puts her foot, like it's all diseased and stuff in the water and like walks past this puddle. And I was like, oh, fuck, this is going to be bad. And of <laughs> course, people see her and just run out of the town, abandon it, screaming and fleeing. Um, and in the bushes, we see a gentleman is puppeteering her from afar, Ooh. psychically. The Mochi, Mochizuki Koja ninja team is sent by their clan leader uh, to go investigate what's happening in this um, plague town. When they enter the town, they are massacred. Uh, there's a guy who's made out of stone sometimes, and he just fucking destroys them. It's pretty grotty. There's a lot of like throwing of a very sharp weapon and seeing a lot of people's legs come off their bodies. The sole survivor is um, Kajero. Uh, she is captured by a member of the Eight Devils of Kimon, who are our bad guy team. Uh, and the guy who captures her is the rock guy. Um, he is described as a ninja with supernatural and freakish powers. The man who captures her is, uh, wait, yes, is Tessie. Sorry, there's so many names happening. A dude who can, <laughs> yeah, turn to rock. Um, he then sexually assaults her. There's a lot of that. It's just the delivery of that. Hey, you know. Just so you know, it's, yeah, this film, there's a time in which sexually assaulting chicks was 
You know, when is this set? Um, it's set in like this feudal Japan feudal or is this Japan. the future? Oh, okay, yeah, right. feudal Japan. Yeah, but the movie was made in '93, so it, there's just a, I think they're trying to get away with like the most insane content you can see, but it's done in a way that's a little leery and sexualizing, so it's extremely uncomfortable, and it's a bunch. So anyway, um, <laughs> don't worry about it, uh, Jupy. Mercenary ex Yamashiro ninja appears and nonchalantly asks for directions because he's lost in the like rape tent. And he's like, Hey, bud, I'm totally don't know where I'm at. Could you lend the guy some directions? And the big rock guy's like, Get the fuck out of my rape tent. And he's like, Yo, man, uh, I'm going to fight you now. Uh, you should let her go. So they have a big battle. And mid-battle, the rock guy who is winning like hard and seems to have crushed like every bone in this other dude's body suddenly becomes weak and um, his fingers like all break off. They kind of like shear off. And then um, our, our hero, Juby, cuts him in half, which is another theme I'm seeing in ninja films. Um, <laughs> apparently what happens is anyone who um, sexually assaults or even kisses or touches Kigero, the girl, is killed by slow poison. She has a rare condition in which, uh, which has made her basically the perfect we weapon. Uh, no one can get near her. So fun times. She's, of course, got that really, um, what's the X-Men rogue thing where she has never really had love because of ah. it. So uh, the two part ways after he rescues her and Juby meets a strange, sexy lady who is covered in snake tattoos that become real snakes and hypnotize him. He's awoken by an old man throwing a shrunk, uh, a shuriken in his shoulder. And uh, then he massacres the snakes, but the woman sheds her sexy lady skin and disappears uh, off somewhere. His savior, the strange old man uh, named Dakun, or Dakuan, I don't know, who asks him to join him uh, in taking down the eight devils. Juby refuses until he discovers that the old man poisoned him with the shuriken and will not give him the antidote until the last minute. So they, he must basically walk around with him and he might as well fight while he's doing it. Uh, he has like a day to live. They must work together to stop the eight devils who plan to steal a bunch of gold, which was left behind in that plague town, which, haha, not a plague. Maybe all those people were poisoned and it was all a ruse to get them out. Ruse. Ruse. Never. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, the town is defenseless and um, if they have the gold, they will take over Japan by force, creating a dark new world and uh, potentially having a civil war break out. Their leader is Genma, who Jubi, our hero, had already killed once before. Uh, he learns that Genma has figured out how to resurrect himself and basically stuck his head, because he'd been beheaded, back onto his body. Um, they cross paths with uh, Kigoro again, the girl, who agrees to help because she feels she, like she has a debt to Jubi and is honor-driven. The three go on a journey to fight and destroy the eight devils and attempt to stop Genma from getting the gold. There is love. There is humor. There is a lot more rape. There's some very problematic gay coding in this as well, which I didn't know was a thing. But oftentimes, um, bad guys in anime will be these really effeminate, like non-sexualized, clearly gay men um, who are just made into cringy villains. It's really awful. So 1993 people, 
Fantastic. <laughs> um, my overall thoughts on this, the animation's fucking gorgeous. You can see the influence it had on things like Castlevania on Netflix. Like, I haven't seen a ton of anime, but it is incredible. Um, there's a ton of gore. There's just a lot of physicality in general. There's a lot of anatomy that you're seeing. Um, the <laughs> the gross rape shit doesn't sit well. Uh, as well, the girl, like, she's, like, meant to be the super strong protagonist, but then is like, I just want to have sex with you to the main character for no reason. And it just, I don't know. There's a lot of, like, I need to have sex and I need to be touched, but I can't. But people are doing it to me anyway. And it's very, very fucking weird. But that's okay. <laughs> if you ignore that and the weird gay thing, um, <laughs> it's a pretty fun film. There's some really fascinating moments. Like, um, there's this scene where um, the gold is uh, close to a big fire and it it just melts and like takes over people and they melt with the gold and it's really cool looking. Also the villains, these eight villains are super fucking interesting. Um, there's one guy who's like bees. He's just made out of bees and his back is like a honeycomb and he tells the bees to go and attack. Um, there's somebody who can manipulate electricity. Um, there's a lot of really cool villains that are set up. Most of them die a little quicker than you'd think. You're like, oh, wow, we're in this like strange dojo and there's shadows everywhere. And this guy's like a shadow guy. And then like just throws a knife and he's dead. I was like, why are we in here? Why? Why? Okay, that's fine. Trivia for this film. Uh, the concept of Ninja Scroll arose from the director's fascination with ninjas and the idea of them always trying to trick each other. The style was influenced by works of novelist Future Yamada and Western spy fiction. Jubi is loosely inspired by a, histor a historical figure, Yagya, or sorry, Yagyu Jubi uh, Mitsuyoshi. <laughs> I'm doing my best. No, Kawajiri. So, so many names. <laughs> Kawajiri considered it uh, difficult to adapt Yamada's works and opted to simplify it. The storyline was too challenging, making uh, so he had to make a choice to contain lots of expository dialogue so that younger audiences would understand the historical drama that he was referencing. The film was meant to consist of two films, each being 45 minutes in length, which is why there is a clam climax scene at the first and second half of the film. The director, Jane, uh, sorry, not the director, a director, James McTeague, cited this film as one of the many influences behind the film Ninja Assassin. <laughs> is anyone doing Ninja Assassin? Maybe. <laughs> mm. Aired on the sci-fi today. <laughs> <laughs> At some point, maybe. Aired on the sci-fi channel as part of the Anni Anna Monday block in 2008 with a TV 14 rating. The version cut um this version was cut or digitally obscured sex scenes and nudity and removed a few instances of bad language. However, all the violence was left intact. The same edited version was later America. shown. I know, right? <laughs> you know, just fucking give it, yeah. You kill him. Take off his hand. Seems good. <laughs> See those bones crack. Real good stuff. Um, the same. <laughs> Hold on. What was that accent? That's <laughs> America. How's this going? By way of the UK. Oh, was it? Touch. I have no. Really? That was impressive. That was nice. Uh, <laughs> this is why I'm not allowed to do accents. <laughs> if you let me do it for too long, it will just become Jamaican. Oh, so I know it's bad. This is why Moving I along. <laughs> yep. Uh, the same, it's a beautiful, beautiful accent. The same ed uh, ed edited version was later shown for the horror-based Chiller channel. 
Uh, Kagiro wears the same exact purple headdress costume that Maiko Kaji wore in the film Lady Snowblood from 1973. BBFC, of course, cut 52 seconds of the film that was very <laughs> high violence and rape. Uh, it was, uh, however, added all back in for the re-release film on Blu-ray. Um, not as successful or well-received in Japan as it was in the U.S. In the post-90s, it was among the most popular anime movies outside of Japan, along with Akira and Ghost in the Shell, which we mm -hmm. talked about. Um, it had sold more than 70,000 copies in 96, becoming Manga Entertainment's best-selling title at the time. And it did inspire an anime series in 2003, which was 13 episodes long. There was um, a sequel that they were going to do in 2008, but it's currently in limbo. A 12-issue comic and potential live-action adaptation were reported in 2008 as well. Um, the comic did happen, but the 2008 film, live-action film, did not. Uh, although Leonardo DiCaprio's producing uh, company was going to be behind it, and Alex C. Uh, C. T. S. E. Uh, who uh, co-wrote Watchmen, was writing it, but it is now in development hell. So that was my pick. I missed all of that after you pronounced the word grody as grotty. I was like, what kind of psychopath pronounces grody as grotty? Oh, oh sorry. Wait, was I reading? <laughs> that was probably what it was. <laughs> Maybe just tell, tell you misspelled it. Just let them know. It's I just misspelled, misspelled it. Oh, that was, I, just I misspelled meant to write. It. I made a big mistake. Sorry about that. Well, anyway, what was your movie? Uh, Ninja Scroll. Never mind. So, yeah. Well, it was good. It was good. I, uh, but also upsetting. So, yeah. So Ooh. let's slide down the pole of quality until uh -oh. we land in 2014 with Ninja Apocalypse. The Ninja Council requests your presence for peace summit. No one has ever come back from the lower floors alive. Ooh. You must come together as one clan. Who will stand with me? Master? It was him. Get us the hell out of here. There must be another way out of here. you guys zombie killing makes me hungry <laughs> apparently um, kelly's familiar with this one <laughs> please for the love of god say there's an apocalypse of ninja just a, a actual apocalypse but with ninjas everywhere sort of Ooh. sort of Sorry, yeah. I guess it's after the apocalypse yeah. and it's about ninjas oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. i kind of was hoping the apocalypse came in the form of ninja be pretty great actually <laughs> millions of ninjas well the rotten tomatoes nobody no critics have rated on rotten tomatoes so it's got no rating and it's got a 16 which oh. i think was the cast and crew coming in and trying to pump <laughs> it up their best no, it's not, okay it's not that terrible i've seen much worse but anyways i'm guessing the budget was about 25 dollars director lloyd lee barnett as a director he has the hourglass vortex however visual effects Damn. Spider-Man, 
Hollow Man, Avatar. Wow. Rocky, Rocky Balboa, I mean, The Lost World, Jurassic Park. Jesus. And two episodes of 911. Oh. <laughs> yes. Plus a shit done more. And he has done a lot of visual effects. Wow. Uh, the writer, Ashley Scott Myers, wrote Dish Dogs. The Pinch, which I was disappointed to find out was not a parody of The Slap. <laughs> and uh, this snakes out of compton oh no which is exactly what it sounds like it is about giant snakes (laughs) in compton is this an asylum joint (laughs) sure looks like it oh my god (laughs) stars christian oliver who was in speed racer Mm -hmm. voice in call of duty saved by the bell the new class and rattlesnakes les brant who was in walker texas ranger Days of Our Lives, Two Hours to Vegas, the numbers. Ah. And uh, Kairi Hiroki Tagawa, who is in Mortal Kombat, the fun one. And Planet of the Apes, not the fun one. (laughs) Uh, He was also in Walker, Texas Ranger, and he's got like 139 credits. Uh, Tara Mackin, who's in Supergirl, tons of TV studs of TV shows, but her main thing is she's got 107 credits as a stunt woman. Mm. She's done Westworld, Captain Marvel, the Avengers, oh, cool. the new Mortal Kombat. So she is a high, high end stunt person. Wow. Whose skills were totally wasted in this movie. If she's Aww. what I think she was. <laughs> but, uh, so yes, it opens with a nuke going off. War is imminent. <laughs> Oh, there it is. <laughs> and then the next tagline, next title is Years After the Great War. Oh. Yep. There you go. There's your apocalypse. <laughs> I want the, what about the Great War itself? <laughs> with all the uh, digital credits this guy has, I'm a little disappointed with the opening scene of really bad digital clouds. Yeah. Like, how do you, oh, well, moving we on. We got to start somewhere. But we do have ninjas fighting right off the bat. I mean, here's my description of it. They look chubby and messed up, but the ninjas have nice shiny clothes. <laughs> <laughs> shiny clothes. Uh, yeah, it's not great. <laughs> <laughs> so the ninjas mess up and they actually don't kill this guy, but it's that's so they can show you the guy who then walks up next is the badass by killing the one that was still left alive. Mm. Honestly, again, a movie with no budget with really kind of cool opening credits. Where it goes from a stylized, almost Japanese-looking art into a live-action segment, and then it goes back and forth Mm. through the credits to kind of set up the deep, deep Mm. (laughs) storyline. But uh, I thought it looked nice. So there's, you know, we'll give credit where credit's due there. We begin, let me tell you, we have started The Warriors. If you've seen the movie The Warriors, you now know the entire rest of the movie plot-wise. Oh, my God. So it starts off with them getting this invitation to cut all the ninja clans or whatever, the clans, to come together to battle some force that's coming that they need to take care of. I was a little surprised when they go walking out in this very apocalyptic area and get into a Bronco. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they have trouble starting the Bronco. That's how you know it's after the apocalypse. Exactly, yes. It's all <laughs> dusty like and dirty. and Bang it with their fists and then and you go... <laughs> open up the hood, do nothing, and then it starts. <laughs> no, remember, they, uh, the, the guy uses his electric powers right. to right. start. So 
the apocalypse has happened and apparently all that has remained are ninjas. Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. A little bit of sense, but sure. now they all have like superpowers. Too. Whoa. They're like and they're not the same. They're different. Ninjas. Yeah. Like the, like the one clan, the hero clan is all electricity. And apparently they share the electricity because yeah. one guy overuses it and they get pissed off at him. <laughs> um, we only have so much electricity except to for go the, around. Except for the deaf guy. There's the big giant deaf guy. I'll oh, get to that. Here you go. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, it's always a little, so yeah. It's a, a very weird portion in films. I think maybe uh, Steve from Bone Bat might get what I'm coming with. I don't know if anyone else will. But if you play a lot of Grand Theft Auto, every once in a while, you'll see a scene in a movie going, oh, I know where that is. Because <laughs> they recreate the outside around L.A. so well <laughs> that it it's obvious. Oh, yeah, I've driven through that area. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And this movie has several of those moments. <laughs> bad, bad trash talk at the beginning when they start to come together. <laughs> and then they give really bad, flat exposition of what's going on. We're like, all right, great, thanks. We really don't need it. Not a complicated story here. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like I said, they're kind of magic fighters. Uh, the, the main guys ha- in the hero clan have electricity. There's a woman there who has some kind of telekinetic powers. Mm. And a big, deaf, can't-speak guy who can touch the ground mm. and feel people around him approaching from some distance, feel the vibrations or something. Oh, yeah. Okay. Which is a deeply underutilized power in this movie. <laughs> Seems uh, like it would be a really good power to have. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you just kind of forget that he's got it. Oh, bummer. Times. No weapons in the bunker. Of course, these guys are weapons, so I thought that was a little pointless. Because <laughs> I think the, the the main bad guys are against have fire or something. And boy, does the budget show on the, I'll call it the, can you dig it scene? Cause you've seen the warriors, you know, the scene I'm talking about tiny little crowd yeah. in this mm. weird thing. The guy's standing on to make his speech. They use this to sort of introduce the giant group of warriors of like what five clans, I think total. <laughs> and one of them is a all female clan who you can tell the, the money problems with this one, because when they do a close-up shot of this clan, it's the same actor recreated like five or six times, and it's five times. Right. Then when they show the wide shot of everybody, there's just one. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. She is smoking hot. You got to sure. give her that. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, he does the usual thing of warriors. Well, oh, my God, somebody killed the lead guy. Who are they going to blame? Uh, you know, the war... Uh, no, the... the Whatever, the electricity clan, we'll just call them that. <laughs> and uh, that starts with the, it was them. And honestly, the fight choreography is pretty good at times in this movie. Yeah. You know, it's not great, but it is good. Which, you know, was not true of the last film we talked about for Naomi with Ninjas. Then uh, there's just bad argument scenes of who did what and all that. And, you know, whatever. Um, the tech in the world is very weird at times. There's no consistency to it. They really don't have any um, cell phones or anything, but they walk into this bar that's underground that's covered in dirt and mess, but it's got this perfectly functioning window video screen (laughs) that serves really no purpose other than the guy tries to destroy it and the other guy's, no, no, look what it does and touches it and it changes scenes like, neat. (laughs) (laughs) And then he's got this weird little locket that he opens up and does this like a 3D projection up of his family so he can look at them. It's like, 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> and they all fight with swords, so I don't know. Um, and one of the dumb uses of having a guy who can tell when everybody's around, hey, let's split up. Like, why? Okay. <laughs> and now they fight. A few more fights. Still more fights. Oh, they kill the woman first, of course. Uh, I mean, that's a lot of reproducing of one person. Maybe it's just like, guys, we got to stop No, no, stop the doing. woman in the, the, the hero clan has oh, one woman, and she's the first okay. to die. Gotcha. Copy that. Again, after a pretty good fight. I mean, they they do nice fights, but I'm like, okay, they're, each one goes off on their own and fights like six people. Like, if you guys stayed together, you probably could have kicked the crap out of everybody really, really easily, considering one of you takes out five most of the time, but whatever. Um. Oh yeah, the bad the bad clan is, does have fireballs. Um, let's see, more pointless arguing between the clan members. Like two of them are supposed to be brothers, so they're always yelling at each other for like you know those scenes in kind of poor writing where the emotions go from zero to a hundred in mm-hmm. thirty seconds or less. Has some of that, and that's where he siphons off all the energy, so all the other guys get pissed off at him for. Ruining their energies. You have anything left? A little. <laughs> and then zombies. What? what? <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot about the zombies. Apocalypse ninja zombies? Zombies. Just yes. zombies. And uh, they're really dumb about them. They find, a, they find a body in a cell and it comes to life. They cut it in half. Do they just close the door and walk away? No. They leave the door open while this two halves of a zombie form two new zombies. Oh. <laughs> While they're standing out watching, close, close the door. <laughs> <laughs> that <laughs> might a, be a good a solution. jail cell, don't shit. <laughs> um, but it seems like maybe it wouldn't have mattered because suddenly there's, they're all over the place. So, mm. okay. A weird ironic thing I was looking up. The guy who cannot speak in the movie has over 180 credits, almost all of them voiceover work. Oh my God. <laughs> so I'm guessing he has a really cool voice. Right. Oh. <laughs> like, why? why did you make it? Such a bummer. You could just have him be deaf. But, um, and then comes the other scene taken from the Warriors where the guys run into the female clan. And of course, being a somewhat sexist movie, she doesn't. They don't attack, just like in the Warriors, they don't really attack them. They try to seduce them, and their fingernails are their worst weapons with their poison or some shit. Mm. Um, So that's... But they come in, they're trying to find their way out of this this bunker thing. And of course, the good information is given. You like where we're living? It's comfortable. This is where the leader or whatever used to live before the apocalypse. It has comfort and... Away up top. <laughs> of I was like, oh, well, thanks. <laughs> and, but the fights, although cool, are nowhere near as visceral and intense as the warriors. And uh, the final line from the hero, don't protect us, respect us. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a bad twist in it. No, nobody. Okay. This was a frustrating view in a lot of ways because the fights were good enough. And honestly, for a no-budget film, the acting was good enough that if it deserved more. I mean, I think if the writer-director had chopped off a couple or two of the weird scenes and gotten rid of the zombies entirely, <laughs> it would have been a lot better film because it's not the worst no-budget film I've watched by any means. Um, but so that, I think that almost makes it a little worse. It's like, 
some talent behind some aspects of this movie. Uh, they use too much digital blood, too. Oh, what? Why? Yeah, I don't know. It's man. such an easy thing to mm. even you could put chocolate syrup on somebody and be yeah, like, it's, it's a digital digital effects guy. Oh, sure, of course. Yeah, <laughs> I'll fix it in post. Oh, please God. don't. Uh, so I have virtually no ninja 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 trivia or notes for this one because I couldn't find too much and there's not enough much written about this film. Right. Yeah. 10, 15 years from now when Vinegar Syndrome puts it out, there'll probably be more, but yeah, that's a ways away. But uh, I did find a fun <laughs> review. Paul Mount of Starburst. <laughs> <laughs> what? Starburst Magazine, I'm assuming. I don't know. Oh, okay. Not of the candy. No. <laughs> Rated it two out of 10. <laughs> Horribly bland and charmless, Ninja Apocalypse will surely only appeal to undemanding action films who, fans who still can't resist the allure of any tacky film with the word ninja in the title. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> yes. And uh, Nave Cateel of Influence gave it a T plus, a D plus, <laughs> a T plus, I don't too. The bottom line is the writing wasn't very good, the direction was lacking, and the acting was uneven. <laughs> so it's it's. Fine. If you are one of those ninja people that watches anything with ninjas, you will find something to like because some of the fights are pretty good. It's huh. real downfall is um, so this bunker is is set up to be this huge underground space mm -hmm. that they're traveling downward in and everything. And it feels kind of like a, a video game setup. Yeah. You know, you you beat the level and move on to the next level. But the the camera work is really shoddy and the lighting yeah. is shoddy and, yeah. and it comes off looking very video-y mm -hmm. um. and uh, the the problem with the effects guy is that he's an effects guy you know the director and so there's a ton of digital effects in it and some of yes. them look like you're like oh that's a pretty good looking effect mm -hmm. and then other ones are like Ugh. Ugh. you know yeah. and and those things could have been helped by having you know, good lighting <laughs> yes. to kind of hide mm -hmm. things yeah. and make things look, you know, a little more film than video. Mm -hmm. So, because mm. a lot of the effects, unfortunately, look like they are sitting on top of the film mm -hmm. instead of, oh, right. in, yeah, you know, in the actual film. Yeah. yeah, digital blood, I think, I've it just barely ever works. Yeah. And it doesn't work at all in this. The electricity is not too bad. The fire is a little weird. Yeah. And there's, and like you said, there's a lot more of various ones yeah. and strange storylines. Like they go down 20 floors for the, the actual, um, conference. <laughs> and, but then they find out when they try to go back up in the elevators, for some reason, they have trick elevators that if you try to go up in them, they That's only right. go down. Right. So they drop from 20 to a hundred really, really fast. And they're all just fine. But not only that, it's like, oh, okay. It's not like we get to see them fight their way up 100. 20 no. floors would have been enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Jeez. exactly. I think they fought up like three yeah. in the end. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Frustrating is a good word for it. Mm -hmm. Stupid is also a good word yeah, for it. Yeah, sure, sure. That'll work. Hmm. Yeah. I'm not going to rush out for this one. Wait, what year I did you I would not rush say? out for this one. 2014. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's real recent as far as <laughs> relative to most ninja movies. Yeah. I feel like they missed the boat. It's Ninja Apocalypse, mm -hmm. but it could have been one word, Ninja Apocalypse. Right? Oh. There you go. Right? Hey, there come go. to me for more tips on titling your films. There you go. Yes, <laughs> yes. Especially if it involves ninjas. Well, 
I think that makes it your turn, Eric. That's right. What should I? What are you going to pick? I'm nervous. I'm on the edge of my seat. I want something different. Want to do a side bet on what he's going to do, Vanessa? Oh shit! Okay. I'm thinking (gasps) zombies, ninjas, zombie ninjas. I don't know. Zombie (laughs) ninjas. I just did zombie ninjas. (laughs) No, I think we'll keep with the. There it is. My God, that scared the living shit out of me. It got the mic. Got that one good. (laughs) I'll be. I'll be sticking with the ninja vember, whatever it's going to end up being. And uh, this time, you know, we've been looking at this for a while, so I've got a little stockpile of movies. I'm hoping I will watch a good one this next That would be nice. So, yes, Ninjas, part three. Awesome. I feel like I probably know what I'll pick. (laughs) Go, Ninja. Go, Ninja. Go. I think it will have a ninja in it. (laughs) Maybe even two. I hope that uh, we're going to get a Ninja Turtle movie eventually out of you. We'll see. All right. Well, this is the part where I thank everybody for participating in the value yes. for value model. Uh, cannot thank you enough for sending your hard earned cash our way or mm-hmm. your liking and sharing of posts or your uh, sharing when the episodes come out. All of that stuff means so much and really helps us slowly but surely take over the world. Yeah. I, lo- I love the ninja episode. <laughs> I love the fan art that we get to. Those are, those are really, oh, man, those are so cool. There's been some really yeah. cool shit. Yeah. So, um, okay. Anything else to add to that, guys? Uh, I wish there was more ninja raps on Earth. I just want to put that out there. Oh, well, we do have a couple of uh, musicians in the listening audience. (laughs) Perhaps we'll get one. Maybe. (laughs) Oh, you didn't want like paper for Christmas presents? You want like song rap? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like RAP. All right, you guys, get out of my house. Our show is recorded somewhere high above Naval Station Everett at the nexus of all realities and is engineered and produced by Eric Margaret. Our theme music is Strange Eons Part 1 by the band Nightshade and is used with permission. Find Strange Eons Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and wherever fine podcasts are found. You know, just fucking give it, yeah. You kill him, take off his hand, seems good. See those bones crack, real good stuff.